Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. This is a HeadGum Podcast. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club um, Tanner, um, Jack, how's it going? Jack attack is back, Jack. Yeah, uh, it's going fine. How are you doing? How are you going? Um, fine. Uh, we went to the baby doctor. It, sorry, your doctor is a baby. Yeah, that doesn't seem like a good idea. Have you heard of Boss Baby? Uh huh. Well, they do it with doctors out here. Oh, and I guess they have. They just went through medical school, right? So they have a lot of more current information yeah and they also have recent experience right uh so it's the perfect it's the perfect combo and he said um that we are and this is a technical scientific doctor term uh-huh ready to fucking pop yeah you uh invest in adult diapers because you're about to shit that baby out <laughs> that's what he said he said to sarah and I said, can we wait until... Until... Tuesday, because the Washington Redskins are playing the Chiefs on Monday Night Football primetime. Okay. I know some tricks for keeping babies in. Okay. I guess if Sarah stays perfectly it, like in like a saltwater solution, if she just floats perfectly still in it, the baby won't know that it's supposed to come out. How, where did you read this? I'm just, this is just coming off, this is off the dome. <laughs> okay, okay, so when you said you know some tricks, you mean you just thought of a thing. Yeah, oh, I can probably think of a few more. You know what else you thought of today, Tanner? Oh, she could hang upside down. Do you have some of those, like, gravity boots? Yeah. I mean, no. That you, like, you have, like, a pole in your door and you, like, hang upside down from the boots with? Yeah, no way you can have a baby if you're doing that. Yeah, it's good for a core, too. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really maximizes that core strength. Um, fun. Fun for Sarah. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say, you fucked us. No. You fucked us. Me? You fucked this whole project. It upsets me to no end. You fucked us. Uh, no, 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 sir. It upsets me to no end what we are about to do. What we are about to do upsets my sense for... Order. You come up with these schemes. You're like, uh, we're going to do this thing. We're going to have a baby sitters club expert on to talk about the super specials. Uh, and then, like, we can never book her. <sighs> so it's, we're all of a sudden 10 super specials behind. Oh. And then I, I read the first two chapters of Christy and Mr. Mom. <laughs> and it's like... Uh, big big news, everyone. We're back from California. We were just there last weekend uh, at a wedding. And Dawn's back. And I was like, fuck, we just missed too much plot. So, Baby Nation, in case you haven't guessed what's happening here, is that Tanner uh, started reading Christy and Mr. Mom, which we were supposed to read for this week, and right. decided that too many things had happened in the super specials. Yep. Which... So, we read all 10 super specials. We read all, that we all 10 super specials. Uh, but instead of going to super special number three, which is the yeah. next super special that we haven't read, right? Uh, here we are on super special number twelve. We just baby nation. We went ahead and skipped the twelve. We skipped the twelve because it uh, was there's so much plot happened in it. We would oh have missed God. it. I would have never known why Don was back in Stony Brook. Ugh, now we know. We could have speculated. We would have been right. Uh, but first, they would have been like, "Oh, Miss uh, Mrs. Dewitt, we're here to babysit your children, Susie and Buddy." And it's like, "Who's Mrs. Dewitt?" <laughs> it would have been impossible, impossible to guess who Mrs. Dewitt was. Just, Last think we knew, uh, Franklin Dewitt was dating Mrs. Barrett and engaged to be married. 
But now there's a Mrs. DeWitt? Where did she come from? I guess he got back together with his ex. <laughs> Poor Mrs. Barrett. <laughs> <laughs> and why are they raising Mrs. Barrett's children? <laughs> um, I also fucked myself because I didn't bother starting this book until today. But the super specials are so fucking They're long. They're so long, Baby Nation. They're so long. They're fucking endless. We're getting started an hour and a half later than we meant to because I just like had to read. You had to cram it right in a there. A thousand pages of text. Um, well, let's get to those thousand pages of text. But first, let's introduce this show. Hi, hi. And welcome hi. to the Babysitter's Club. 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 A podcast in which I, Jack Shepard... And I, Tanner Greenring, talk about the classic novels of the Primarch of the Prince of Towns, Stormborn, Stormwalker, Time Lady. Time Touched. Uh, sanctified. Why did we start calling her Time Lady? Is she capable of moving through time? I mean, other than in the linear manner that we all move through time? I don't remember, and I also don't love that we've started interrupting me while I try to get through this. Yeah. Annabelle Matthews Martin. Martin. Yep. First of her name, last for last kind. For kind. Last, last hope for humankind. For yep. humankind. Yep. Uh, this week, Baby Nation, we threw ourselves and you a curveball. Yeah. Remember remember last week we said we were going to read Christian Mr. Mom? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. So Tanner read some of it, and he said, uh-uh, I've missed too much. I've missed too much. Jack, he said, we got to read Super Special number 12, Here Come the Bridesmaids, if we're going to yeah. make head or tail of what's going on in Christie and Mr. Mom. I'm glad we did, man. Apparently, like, the season changed. It's winter now. <sighs> and we wouldn't have found that out if we didn't read Super Special number 12, Here Comes the Bridesmaids. Yeah, we wouldn't have known where the bridesmaids went. Or, wh- or where they came from. <laughs> <laughs> if we hadn't read Super Special number 12, here comes the bridesmaids. Well, we read it, and there's no... We can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. <laughs> we certainly can't. So we may as well talk about it. Can't unring this wedding bell. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Tanner, this week it was an East-West marriage fest. Oh, that's good. Wall to wall weddings wall-to-wall weddings uh other things that christy said i liked east west marriage fest that was christy's pick right yeah that was christy's pick coast to coast all the babysitters baby nation tried to come up with a different title for the coast to coast wedding orgy that we experienced this week that was not one of them here come the bridesmaids misnamed missed fucking named well, if you count Stacy, I think the bridesmaids in this case are Dawn and Stacy. Uh, at different weddings, though. At different bi-coastal, east-to-west orgies. Here's what I'm going to say about this book. Here's my brief review of it. Yeah. It was super. Yeah. By which I mean long. Super long. But it was not special, by which I mean good. It was fine. I think having to read all of it, it was very long, and having to read all of it essentially in one sitting, it left a bad taste in my mouth. You know what it reminded me of? But it's a it's a classic Anne and Pete book, so you can't say too many bad things about it. It's Pete. It's sweet Pete. It's beautifully written. There's no question about that. It's beautifully written. It reminded me, have you seen the movie The Expendables? Yeah, with all the old men doing their old, they're all action men. Yeah, all it reminded old. me of that film. That film was good? I can't quite remember. It didn't live up to its promise. It had Sly Stallone. It had Bruce Willis. It had Arnold Schwarzenegger. It had, like, all these fucking great action stars, but there were too many of them and too many, like, meandering plot lines for each of them, and it never really focused in. Yeah, they try to do... It's like... It does feel like they try to do too much in these super specials. Like, there was, like, a D and an E plot. There, I counted seven clear plots yes. in this novel and a lot of them were were totally self-contained like the jesse plot line was fun but it didn't interact with the main story in any way right i guess rather than going through the seven plots uh, right now maybe we can describe as best we can the one plot together two main plots two main plots two weddings Two weddings. Two weddings, two coasts. Bi-coastal. East to west. Two bridesmaids. Two bridesmaids enter. 
two bridesmaids and two leave actually made it out yeah uh one little head fake of a bridesmaid yeah marianne kind of gets shafted yeah by don's hubris I want to get into that, but what we should do is describe the novel for the Baby Nation. Uh, maybe I'll do it, and then you can do it. Fine, I don't care. What do you mean? But what do you mean you don't care? Uh, I'm fine with that setup. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight it. Okay, I don't but, care. But you also are pretty agnostic about it as as a thing to do. Doing it, doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> like you would be fine if we didn't. I think I think it'd be good. Maybe we should take turns. You do it one week, I do it another, because we're just repeating ourselves. <laughs> I think this is something like the, the close to the 90th episode we've recorded, and we always do it. Uh-huh. I just think it's weird n- that now you're telling me that you don't care for it. It's not that I don't care for it. I just feel like it's a little redundant. <laughs> I love doing okay. it. I love listening to your fun things that you do. Okay. You know, I love concisely describing the plot of, of all these books in 60 seconds. Great. Okay, that's what I want to hear, man. Perfect, I was just trying man. to get a little enthusiasm on the other side of that Skype call. You'll do it this week, and I'll do it next week. No, I'm going to do it this week, you're going to do it this week, and next week we're both going to do it. Huh. Um, why don't I describe this novel? Whatever. I'm going to begin now. Whether you're a blushing bride-to-be with her heart set on a beautiful beach wedding, a flustered fiancé freaked out about the flower arrangements, or a beleaguered best man biding your time for the big speech, this lengthy, comprehensive book about weddings will provide you with everything you need to know and more about how to prepare for that special day. Featuring two lavishly described weddings, one a rustic East Coast winter wedding in a church, and the other a warm and wonderful West Coast wedding on the beach, Babysitter's Super Special Number 12, Here Come the Bridesmaids, will fill your heart with joy, your ears with the sound of wedding bells, and your mind with brand new ideas for all the things you can do to make the most important day of your life memorable, meaningful, and magical. Babysitter's Super Special, number 12. Here come the bridesmaids. I didn't even think about how we're going to number this episode. (laughs) Didn't you? Because I did. (laughs) Is this Babysitter's Club Club number 83? Or is this Babysitter's Club Club colon Super Special number 12? Number 3? It's so hard. It's so hard, and Baby Nation, if you, you care to notice, our numbering is off in a way that drives me up the wall already. Yeah. The number of our episode is always two more than higher the than the number of the book that we're reading. And now it's going to be three, I guess. Ugh. And also, like, those other two super specials are, like, missing from the archives. So. Missing from the archives. That Some people have them. But uh, not many. <laughs> not many. Um, so it's just even more confusing. Yeah. So you've made a fucking mess. You've made uh-huh. a mess. Uh-huh. You did this. You did this to us. We needed to read it. We couldn't not read it. Um. Hey Tanner, let's stop stalling here and have you describe this novel. I'm ready. God, it's so long, Jack. I'm gonna. We can do. Oh, I, it's such a long book. I'll give you a little extra time. I don't need it. All right, I'm going to put 60 seconds on this big bad clock, and I need you to describe this novel within those 60 seconds. Are you ready or are you prepared? I'm ready. All right, I'd like for you to begin right now. Okay, so Baby Nation, there's a wedding in Stony Brook. It's Mrs. Barrett and Mr. DeWitt, Franklin DeWitt. They're getting married, uh, and they ask... Uh, a number of the babysitters to come help at the wedding. Uh, and uh, Stacy's actually in the wedding. She's a bridesmaid. There's a also a wedding happening on the East Coast. Nope, West Coast in uh, Los Angeles. Uh, that one's between Carol and Don's dad, Jack Schaefer. Uh, Don is a bridesmaid in that one. And Marianne was supposed to be, but... Uh, she ended up not being one. Weddings go well. Uh, Jesse's playing a Santa Claus in the mall. Uh, Santa Claus display. Uh, Mal and Ben are having um, relationship troubles. And God, what are the other plot lines? And time. So many. 
You got it seven? I just got four of them. I'll tell you the seven plot lines, Tanner. I would also like to offer a constructive criticism of your description. Uh huh. Low energy. <sighs> I'm very tired. I'm not drinking tonight. <laughs> Low energy. Here yeah. are the seven plot lines of this novel. Bridesmaid bullshit between Marianne and Dawn. Okay, that's not a plot. That's like a subplot of the... Hey, man, there wasn't a lot of plot in this book. There are a lot of words. There wasn't a lot of plot. There wasn't a lot of tension. Bridesmaid bullshit between Marianne and Dawn is the main point of tension, I would argue, in this novel. Uh, Secondary point of tension, Mal and Ben Hobart are fighting. They're having a spat. They're fighting. They're fighting about uh, the dumbest thing. Too. They're fighting about the dumbest like, thing. They got in a dumb argument and then didn't yeah. speak for the entire book. And then, yeah. like at the end, apologized to one another. Plot number three: Jesse is Santa Claus. This was good. It was okay. There was. It was not. I could have used more of it. I could. Yeah, it was not a lot of it in here. Plot number four: only two or three pages, but Christy is trying to be cool with the We Heart Kids Club. Yeah, that was definitely. They hit that. Uh, plot number five, Shannon and Mal are trying to control the Barrett kids. It's difficult, but they do it. I think that's the, the main plot of the Barrett-DeWitt uh, wedding. Yeah. Plot number six, Susie is afraid that Santa Claus will lose his way. Oh, yes. This was the good, clean babysitting fun of this week. This is good, clean babysitting fun. This was good stuff. And then finally, plot number seven, Claudia's the photographer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, like, her dad paid for her to go out to Los Angeles, and she needs to work off that debt. Yeah. This novel reminded me, in some ways, of books. Have you read, like, A Hundred Years of Solitude? No. Like, these books that are, like, these sweeping narratives about just families over generations. These books are, like, ensemble casts, Baby Nation. So, like, the perspective shifts, like a Game of Thrones book every chapter. Yeah, it's a lot like Game of Thrones. Right. We got a Jeff POV. We got a Logan POV. We got a Susie POV. That was fascinating. Susie POV was scary, a little bit scary. It was terrifying. Her mind was so raw. Shall I read the passage that I think we must have both caught on to that was so fucking freaky from Susie's point of view? Yeah. And this is Pete. I don't know. Maybe it's Anne because it's like... It's such a depth of understanding and such a like twisted but plausible understanding of what goes on in the mind of a, a, a young person who is closer to the other side. Right, exactly. The Barretts move their house. Um, at, that's kind of a subplot. They're moving at the same time as they're getting married. Bad idea, Baby Nation. Don't do that. Yeah. It's also um, Christmas. It's also Christmas. Anyway, it's a lot of bad planning in this book, but... This is Susie's point of view. When I woke up Christmas morning, I didn't know where I was. It was still dark. All of the shapes in my room were wrong. I got scared. I thought somebody had stolen me and put me in a strange place. That's pretty terrifying. Yeah, she's recounting her own birth. Uh, Jesus, of course that's what it is. Of course yeah. that's what it is. This is a difficult book. It doesn't have a clear plot line. It's very diffuse. It's all over the place. But the mm. one thing that binds it together that Anne and Pete are consistent about is this theme of change and these rituals of change and these rituals of newness. Um, the, the wedding, uh, Christmas, which is a nativity. Right. Um, and... I do think that this book is an exploration of what it means to change um, and the rituals that kind of surround that. Um, and this this point of view from Susie is like, as you point out, obviously um, a metaphor for birth. Yeah, absolutely. Another change that's happening is that Don's long uh, time in purgatory is over. 
Right, Dawn's coming back to Stony Brook. She's coming back at the to end of, Stony At Brook. the end of this book, she does come back to Stony the Brook. The seven will become one again. Right. And I think that's why Anne and Peter are exploring this particular angle, the, like this birthing of something new, and this yeah. question around whether the uh, Does it mean that the seven are one just like old times, or is it a new seven? I'm like, uh, for how long, man? I'm, I don't trust it. Yeah, I don't trust it at all. Dawn has burned me too many times. Yeah. I'm not going to get invested in her being back in Stony Brook again. I love Dawn, and she is in many ways my favorite babysitter. Uh She's certainly my favorite member of the We Heart Kids Club. Yes. No question. Although... Actually, Maggie Bloom. Maggie Maggie Bloom Bloom. was doing some rad shit this week. Maggie Bloom was doing some awesome shit. You know what Maggie is? She's robo-cool. Yeah, she is (laughs) robo-cool. Robo-cool is a word that Dawn invented this week. Oh, very good. Describing Maggie Bloom, her style is more than cool. It's hyper-cool. A robo-cool. Robo-cool. That's a very, very, very good. Yeah, although, like, Maggie's thing is she's blonde like everyone else, but has a slightly different haircut. Mm Mm-hmm. And she she has this, like, duck tail in the back. Yeah. And she always dyes it a different color. Mm Mm-hmm. And then also this week, she put her hair in dreadlocks yeah. and dyed each dread a different color. Yeah, I don't know if we can find the passage. It reminded me of um, The Matrix 3, Revolutions. Oh, like the the ghosts? Yeah, just like on some future shit, you know? Yeah. With these yeah. like crazy dreads. Right. Um, it reminded me of uh, like a juggalo. <laughs> it sounded like something a juggalo would do. Is this a segment? Uh, for uh, We Heart Kids Club? Screak! What's her name? Maggie? Maggie! Maggie's Closet! I guess. Maggie's armoire? Maggie's vanity? Because it's really just more about her hair than anything. I badly wanted to alliterate. But so, anyway, guess what? It's Maggie now. It's Maggie now, and Maggie's cool, and she has cool hair, and uh, sometimes it's in dreadlocks. Here's a passage. You look sensational, Claudia said to Maggie. Of of course, Claudia and Maggie are on a fucking wavelength. Yeah. You look sensational, Claudia said to Maggie. She did, too. Her hair was in dreadlocks. Two of them were dyed red and green. She was wearing this crazy neon-patterned jumpsuit under a tailored cotton jacket with padded shoulders. I had never seen anything like it before. Um, of course you hadn't. No. Don. <laughs> no one has ever done that before. <laughs> well, you better believe that Claudia is going to steal that look and bring it back to the East Coast. Yeah, no question. Because this is the thing. Maggie is described, like, Don says that Maggie always seems to be dressing weirdly. But then a week later, everyone will be dressed the same way Maggie had been dressed the week before. Yeah. She's like, she's blazing fashion trails. So I think Claudia is going to really draft off that and bring this, bring a lot of this stuff back to, to Stony Brook. Yeah, we got to look out for it. And this is why maybe you were right uh, to make us read the super special. Because if Claudia is like dreaded up and wearing a neon jumpsuit. Right. And yeah, exactly. Chrissy and Mr. Mom. And she has a ducktail. We're going to be able to give credit where credit is due. Ducktail's a cool look. And I think we should bring that back. Okay. I can't I have curly hair, so I can't grow one. But you maybe you could. It. Awesome. I think Carly Rae Jepsen kind of had one for a little while. Yeah. Is it, it ducktails what I think it is, right? It's like a little it's kind of like a mullet. I have literally no idea. Um yeah, I imagine it's like a, a mullet that like comes up like the back of a ducktail. Um are you googling it? Yeah, I am. Do 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 you feel like we need to? It's not what I thought it was. Okay. It's sort of like a greaser haircut in the 50s. You know what I mean? Like Elvis's haircut. I'm having trouble picturing it. Elvis Presley. Yep, I'm familiar. Uh, did you see Grease? Yeah, I'm familiar with the show. I just don't know why we're talking about ducktails. That's the haircut she has. She looks like a like she a, looks like a greaser from the 50s. Yeah. Tanner, we've gotten very much off of what I wanted to talk about, which is rituals of change. Okay, hit me. And the ritual in particular that stood out at me is they throw a surprise party for the change that's happening in Dawn's life, which is that she's leaving California and going back to Stony Brook. Right. 
And they eat her in effigy. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that. Dawn let go of Whitney and finally looked at the cake. It wasn't a cake, really. It was a work of art. It had been made to look like Dawn's face. Blonde hair, sunglasses, freckles, and a big smile, all made of frosting. Oh, Dawn said. <laughs> <laughs> then they make her cut the cake. Yeah. Oh, then Whitney cuts the cake. Yeah. Dawn, Whitney's like, like, I'll cut it. <laughs> Don's like, oh, it's so beautiful. I would, uh, I don't want, I don't want to eat it. Let's not eat it, you guys. That would be weird. It's just so beautiful. And Whitney's like, I'm gonna cut it. <laughs> but yeah, so they all ritualistically eat a dawn cake. Uh huh. Which is my hope is stronger that Don is gonna stay in Stony Brook after a send off like that. Don spent six months in Palo City with the We Heart Kids Club. We had what two or three. Don POV books in that time. And they were all like, she didn't meet any new babies. She met two new babies, and one of them is an adult. Right. Still nothing on Jill Henderson. Yeah. Jill said one thing this week that just like further cemented Jill as like this shitty character that no one likes. Mm -hmm. Don goes to um, get the bridesmaids dress. All of the We Heart Kids Club go to the mall to buy Don's bridesmaids dress. And she. She goes in and she puts it on and she steps out of the dressing room. It's gorgeous, Sonny said. Stunning, Maggie agreed. I was a bridesmaid's once, Jill added. <laughs> With my sister, she picked the dress and it was so ugly. The worst thing was that she spent all this money on a dress she never wore again. Oh, I replied. Yeah, thanks, Jill. Also, that's the only thing you say in this entire book. And also, I think... It's the only thing you've ever said. That's the only thing she's <laughs> ever said. It was just being this, like, sourpuss. Like, making it all about her. Yeah. Making Dawn feel bad about this thing. Fuck it's, you, Jill. It's fuck you, Jill Henderson. I'm glad uh, Dawn's getting out of there. Yeah. This all felt like a bad experiment. Maggie Bloom is on some next-level future shit. Jill Henderson is a monster. Right. And even Sonny, who's her best friend, like... I don't know anything about Sonny. Sonny is just like Dawn Part 2. Right. We already have a Dawn. Yeah, we already have a Dawn. Dawn, come back home. Dawn. Right. Come, come back, back home. home. Dawn. Come home. She does. Good news. And now, a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Um, a dilly dilly, my lord. <laughs> Oh, hey, it's Evil Jack here. I was just workshopping some of the most evil ways to start an ad spot. Evil Tanner couldn't make it today because he's busy trying to break his previous record for how many people he can tell that they should smile more in a 24-hour period. I just wanted to give you an update on our uh, evil company, BetterHelp, uh, where we help evil betters to... Um, Make small, lucrative bets on extremely wicked outcomes. Uh, like, for instance, I bet that I can accidentally put my own bag on the weighing area of your self-checkout at the grocery store, so you have to call someone over to make the machine work again. Well, basically, since you asked, it's going uh, pretty badly, um, because apparently the name of our company sounds too much like the name of our sponsor, BetterHelp. See, it's pronounced completely differently. They're online therapy that will uh, pair you with a licensed therapist in no time at all. Um, and in addition to not even really sounding the same as our evil company, BetterHelp is easy to use, it's entirely online, and they are super flexible, so it's no problem to fit them into your own schedule, which is completely the opposite of how we do it. Anyway, everyone's saying that we shouldn't use the name, which causes me grief, anxiety, self-esteem, and LGBT matters. And to make matters worse, um, I can't even get therapy for this stuff because I don't believe that men need therapy because I'm evil. If you're ready uh, to give online therapy a try, though, all you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Bedfellows today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Bedfellows. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. Can I tell, talk to you? Or do you have more ritualistic changes? I mean, that's what, this, that's what the main theme of this book is, so yes. Oh, here's a change. Susie Barrett, in yeah. one of her POVs... So Susie's big struggle is trying to get Santa to find their new address they've moved and she wants to make sure santa can find them right uh so with the help of logan like logan bruno santa hunter yeah she devises this scheme where she takes cookies and crushes them up and her mom drives her slowly from their old house to their new house and she leaves a trail of cookie crumbs right and it works, and she manages to capture the big man. Yeah, himself. Yeah. Uh, and she wakes up the next morning, and he has taken the cookies and left presents. And she's the first one to sneak out into the living room. And when she notices the Christmas presents, she does what she describes as the baloney dance. Oh, yeah. I imagined you doing it when I read it. Yeah. No, it does. Yeah, I'm going to start doing it. Yeah. I think. I was so happy, I danced the baloney dance. Here's how you do it. You run in place, you shake your hands and head really fast at the same time, and say, baloney, 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 baloney. Yeah. I've been doing that since I was little. It's funny, but he hates it. <clears throat> I think Susie was the one who originally did ham face. Yeah, maybe. Susie or Marnie. So you think she's got this meat fixation. She's got this whole thing with meat. Yeah. And she hasn't done ham face since, like... Since Dawn and the Impossible 3. Right. And now she's doing baloney dance. She's upgraded. She's evolved. It's like these rituals of flesh. Right. I just... I don't know what's next for Susie. Yeah, it's gonna be bad, right? Like, she's not gonna be happy just sticking with rituals around slaughtered animals. Yeah, that's not gonna get... That's not gonna keep giving her that same high, you know? Yeah. She's going to need to do something a little harder each time, every time. Yeah, if if you're starting at the age of like 2 or 3 years old with doing like, ham face with like like dead pig stuff. By the time she's 13, she's going to be like caught by the police like in a slaughterhouse like wearing a pig's head over her own head, doing the dance, doing the baloney dance. Yeah. She'll just be soaked in blood. <laughs> At least she's got a thing, um, which is more than I can say for Jill Henderson. Yeah, she revels in the in the death of pigs. Uh, could I talk to you about Marianne? Sure. As you know, when I read these books as a boy, Marianne was my favorite babysitter and the one I identified with the most because she's bookish and smart and shy. And those were all things that I was at the time and that I consider to be part of my identity even now. Uh-huh. This book is the book that marks me officially being fucking over Marianne. You've been saying this for... I know I've said it before. I know she's annoyed me before, but this was a line in the sand. I think she annoys you more often than not. I think this this yeah. myth you made up about this demure, quiet, bookish Marianne, that's yeah. just not who she is. Insufferable. Yeah, week. she's really bad this week. She's being like a real Jill Henderson. She's being a real Jill Henderson. Dawn buys a dress for herself that's like good for the beach, looks good. Yeah, 
bridesmaid dress. And then she's like, fuck it, I'm going to buy an extra one for Marianne so that we can both be bridesmaids together. Because and- Dawn decides on her own that yeah. Marianne is going to be a bridesmaid. It's what, uh, if you care to look, it's what Hodges has depicted on the cover of this novel. Right. Um, it's an off the shoulder, they keep saying. I don't know what that means. Does that mean you're like hanging over your shoulder? I think it means a lot of your shoulder is showing, because that's one of Marianne's worries. Right. Well, so Dawn is like, hey, Marianne, check it out. Cool dress that I got. And Marianne, like, loses her fucking mind. Right. Like, you didn't tell me I was going to be a bridesmaid. I'm going to be the center of attention. It's off the shoulder, and what if I get sunburned? Now everyone's going to see my sunburn. Like, you've ruined our our friendship. We're not sisters anymore. Like, fucking, like, boo-hoo. Yeah. Then... The next day, Dawn, like, they, like, make it up. They patch it up. And Marianne's like, all right, well, whatever. Like, I'm still pissed at you. You still fucked up. But, like, she's excited to be a bridesmaid. We can continue to be sisters. And then the next day, Dawn is, like, in the car with Marianne and Carol and Jack. And Jack is like, we're just having a really small wedding party. It's like, just you and Jeff. Marianne's right. not a bridesmaid. Yeah. And then Marianne. F- Again, loses her fucking mind and is like, I was really looking forward to being a bridesmaid. How could you do this to me? Like, you've ruined my life. Yeah, and she's she kind of keeps going through these wild swings back and forth between, like, she's too nervous. She really doesn't want to be a bridesmaid. She's too nervous to get in front of 40 people. Yeah. But then she's she's super pissed off that she's not a bridesmaid. It's just infuriating. Marianne, like, pick a position. Right. So you're mad at Marianne this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm, no, I'm not mad at Marianne this week. I'm fucking furious with Marianne this week. You're always furious with Marianne, No, man. I'm not. I've, I've been annoyed by her in the past, and now I'm fucking over it. Like, this is it. Great. We're done. I'll, I'll see you next time Marianne pisses you off. Next time she has a title character in a book. So what, you want to defend her? She's not going to be the quiet, subservient, <laughs> bookish Marianne that you, a powerful man. <laughs> Thank you. Has decided she needs to be. Do you, Are you defending her? Do you want to lay out your case for the Baby Nation? I've described no, what she... she was bad. Everyone's a dingleberry in this book. This book was really frustrating because everyone's a dingleberry. Yeah. Like, Dawn... I mean, Marianne is justified because Dawn is, like, stupid. Like, Dawn keeps promising her all this shit, and she's like, wait, you didn't ask if I was going to be a... You just decided I was going to be a bridesmaid? Like, everyone is very frustrating. I'm so frustrated with this book it was so long and so boring (laughs) pete are you listening pete what are you doing to us man what happened here i will say though yeah so here's my worry yeah i told you a bit ago that i got to the end of this book and was shocked to see that the author gratefully acknowledges peter larangis for his his help in uh penning this novel because I read the entirety of this book without ever encountering a... <laughs> uh, okay. Pete Larangis. My, 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 my Larangis moment. <laughs> that one's from Baby B Cat. Pete Larangis. <laughs> My, 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 Lorenzo's moment. <laughs> Did you have one? Was there a moment of clarity in this book? Yeah, no, I, so here's, I'm going to, I'm going to part the kimono here a little bit. Okay, gross. For you. Yep. And for the baby nation. Oh, no, thank you. I don't need it. Um, There are two things that are true of this novel for me. One, I didn't love it. It was all over the place. It was a difficult read. It was complicated it didn't have any clear points of tension uh it didn't deepen my understanding and knowledge of any of the characters with the exception maybe of marianne and that in a negative direction yes. that's one okay. two it was very clear to me from early on that only the great sweet peter larangis could have written this novel and that is because the prose in this book is scintillating and it dances across the page um, and for new baby bees uh, Lorange's moment is a hot hot segment that Tanner and I like to do where we talk about the moment when it became clear to us that the ghostwriter for 
the babysitter's novel that we're reading must have been and can only have been Peter Larange's. Um, and that hot segment song that you just heard uh, was suggested to us by Baby B Cat. At official cat on Twitter. Yeah, so thank you for that, Baby B Cat. Um, and uh, thank you to everybody who has submitted uh, Larange's moment songs. Tanner's keeping a spreadsheet. Yeah, but keep them coming because we're running, the tank's running low. Um, there's a scene early on where Claudia, this is a subplot, I mentioned it. Claudia is expanding her portfolio. She's now, she's like a oh yeah wedding art director. Yeah, she's a wedding planner. She's a hairstylist. She's a photographer. Let me read to you, Tanner, uh, this scene from Claudia in the flower shop. Okay. Uh, she's picking out uh, centerpieces for the wedding. Fuck, this is a good Larangis moment. I wish I had my ears up for this one. Yeah, tell me this wasn't. I, as soon as I read this, I knew that only Sweet Pete could have done this. Lyle, and again, Lyle, right? It starts with Lyle. Who's Lyle? I don't know, but Pete's got a character Bible for him. He's cool. He's kind of this, like, foppish floral arranger. Yeah. Very little patience, especially for children. Um, he's There's funny. just so much there. He's just such a rich character. You can see, He has so few lines in this book, but you just know him so well. It's something only Pete can do, is introduce these characters and have them be three-dimensional, uh, pop off the page. Yeah. Lyle the florist was thinking. He gazed at the cases of refrigerated flowers before him. The shop smelled so good, I thought I would die of delight. Finally, he smiled and turned to me. Nasturtiums. Should I do a voice for Lyle? Yeah. What do you think? Foppish? You know um, Stanley Tucci's character in The Hunger Games? Is that Effie Trinket? No. (laughs) He's the host of the show. (laughs) <laughs> i don't know why i like bring up pop cultural references to you like ever i read the books let's see um, who else who look else? i can do i don't need i don't need pop culture i can do my own voice oh you know um stanley tucci's character in the devil wears prada no i've never seen it god stanley tucci's character in easy a <laughs> no this is getting harder and harder i just need i need like a uh Whiff of Stanley Tucci on whatever you're about to do. <laughs> Look, I'm gonna do my best. I saw Lyle as as I was reading him. I saw Stanley Tucci in my head. Uh, I'm gonna see what I can do. Okay. The shop smelled so good, I thought I would die of delight. Finally, he smiled and turned to me. Nasturtiums, he said. Gesundheit, I replied. He looked blank for a minute. I blushed. Uh, sorry, I was joking. The word you said, it sort of sounds like a sneeze. Oh, Lyle grinned. So I well, have a question about your Lyle here. Okay. Just some notes. Is it a question or is it notes? Well, it's notes. Okay. It's notes, but it's also kind of a question that I okay. hope leads to some discussion about your character <laughs> choices. Okay. Um, did I miss the part where Pete described Lyle as having his jaw wired together? <laughs> Like he broke his jaw and they wired it shut. So you were getting a, a man with jaw wired together. Yeah. From yeah, that read. Yeah. Okay. It was just sort of this indistinct like. <laughs> so your question is, did you miss the part where Pete described his jaw being wired together? No, that didn't happen. And your note is. Let's maybe see if we can take another approach at the character. Okay. Come at me. So let's go from the top again. Okay. And it's just kind of bring a new energy to the character. Okay. It doesn't help that I don't know who Stanley Tucci is. It's fine. It's fine. I have I have a clear picture of Stanley Tucci in my head. I just need <laughs> you to do okay. your best. Okay. The shop smelled so good, I thought I would die of delight. Finally, Lyle smiled and turned to me. Nasturtiums! No, see, that's the problem with that one, Jack. uh, No, Jack, I have a note. Okay. On your performance. Yeah. That's just the lovely lady's voice. Okay. That's established within the mythology of the Babysitter's Club Club as being the lovely lady's voice. Karen Brewer's game where she plays at being a lovely lady. Right. Okay. So I just need you to take it from the top one more time, bring kind of a new energy to the character. 
read over the character bible again real quick he's like a single man he has trouble finding love he has this deep disdain for children he has little patience he's busy okay he loves flowers the shop smelled so good i thought i would die of delight finally lyle smiled and turned to me nasturtiums Mm. he said interesting okay it's kind of got like a snape quality to it (laughs) Gesundheit, I replied. He looked blank for a minute. I blushed. Sorry, I was joking. The word you said, it sounds sort of like a sneeze. Oh, Lyle grinned. Well, it's the name of a flower. A little expensive, perhaps, but for a wedding these days, a derriger. It's good. It's like Vincent Price almost. Okay, good, good. It's kind of got that campy 60s horror feel to it (laughs) okay then i'll take some of them instead now he looked confused which uh de rigueurs (laughs) that's a french word for customary i meant nasturtiums i quickly added Mm mm-hmm all right (laughs) he began scribbling on a pad and for the best man's lapel May I suggest uh, Stephanotis? Uh, sure, I looked around. Where is he? Lyle glared at me over his glasses. His eyebrows were raised way up. That was when I realized that Stephan Otis was... Another flower, Miss Kishi. (laughs) Lyle muttered. Ugh, I was really blowing it. Who are you trying to impress, Claudia? This guy's a dud. <laughs> no, that's a good little uh, back and forth. Only Pete, only sweet Peter Larangis could have created a character that rich. Oh, and only Jack Shepard can capture that character in in voice so well. Yeah. Yeah, well, I do a lot of voice acting. Uh, I spent a lot of time working on that one. We're going to cut the ones where I didn't get it right. Yeah, absolutely. Right? I, okay. That would be an embarrassment to keep them in because they were so bad. <laughs> um, um, also, can you cut the part where I said I don't know who Stanley Tucci is? I feel like he's probably someone that everybody knows who he is. He's like a beloved actor. I'm just surprised you don't know who he is. <sighs> I have one. I think I have one. Okay. Carol's moving in with Jeff and Jack, and Jeff describes her furniture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says, You should see Carol's furniture, it's ugly. She has these things called lava lamps, which look like pig embryos swimming around in colored water tanks. <laughs> and it's just like, it put a picture in my head. Yeah. Also, more pig death. Yeah, there's a lot of pig death. Weird, Anne. Weird, yeah. Pete. That's a weird one. So it's retroactive. I had to search my memory palace for it. But yeah, yeah. Dude, there's, there's notes of Pete. On these pages. There's notes of Pete. Try to think of... Imagine Jonna and Malcolm coming up with something as evocative and descriptive Pig as embryos? Pig embryos. Well, they... Oh, uh, well, yeah. Their creativity is expressed not necessarily through the written right. word, but through what they have done to right. their body. The pig embryos in water, colored water tanks would be intimately familiar to them because that's like what their lab that they were born in <laughs> is filled with. Um, all right. Well, so Pete, we love you, Pete. We kiss you. We've said this before, but kind of a weak offering this week, bud. This is a weak. Offering. I get it. You have to crank out like three hundred pages of book. That's difficult. Yeah. I couldn't do that. You got to give us something to work with, because when you do good work, we do good work, Pete. Um, but I did find some other Larangus moments, Tanner. You got more. Um, but they exist inside. Another segment that we like to do, which is called the. I feel like the boundaries between Pete Larange's moment and Bird of the Week get hazier and hazier each time Pete writes a book. They are distinct things. It's just that Pete writes a burn like no one else. Yeah, Pete writes a good burn. Um, Here's what I want to lead with. Okay. Uh, It's another plot point that we haven't got into. Mal and Ben, Hobart, Uh get into a fucking huge fight. 
Oh, Huge yeah. fight. Right. It's over something really dumb, too. Um, it's also confirmed, by the way, that they are boyfriend and girlfriend. Because mm-hmm. when they make up at the end, spoiler, Ben Hubbat says, uh, this wasn't something that was worth breaking up over. That's not how we do Ben Hobart. Sorry. He says... This wasn't something that was worth breaking up over. <laughs> Good. Good. Very tasteful. Got that in one. Yeah. Um, what they have a fight about is that Mal agrees to do a Christmas caroling. Right. With the ho- with the habats. With, with the habat. Uh, but family. then Mel gets invited to the Barrett DeWitt wedding right. to watch kids and needs to cancel on Ben. And yeah. Ben is furious. Fucking furious. He's so angry, he hangs up on her. It's like, brutal. She, like, she can hear him, like, breathing heavily on the other end of the phone because he's just, like, in a red-hot rage over this. Yeah. I think he might have a problem. Yeah, no, he definitely has a rage issue. So Ben and Mel have this knockdown, drag-out fight over... Mal's agreement that she's going to do Christmas caroling with Ben. Right. Uh, and then uh, reneging on that agreement. Uh, eventually, they realize that they can do it on a different day. Uh, they do a bunch of rehearsals. Uh, Mal is worried about her voice, but she kind of overcomes that fear of her uh, of her singing voice. And they have like, a pretty wonderful time going around the neighborhood singing Christmas carols. Yes. Um, and as a proof that they are back together, hot and heavy, at the end of this novel, mm-hmm. they ex- exchange Christmas gifts, which is a pretty big step in a relationship. I feel like I was skimming towards the end because this is a very long book. Mm-hmm. I didn't even catch this. All right. Ben Habat and Mel exchange Christmas gifts. Uh-huh. Here's what they give to each other. Ben and I exchanged Christmas presents. I gave him a beautiful winter hat. He gave me a tape called 10 Steps to Better Singing. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal. Ben Hobart. Ben Hobart. Very good. Um, There are a bunch of other fucking great burns in this book, Tanner. Yeah, I've got one. Would you like me to read rhyme before you steal it? (laughs) Yeah. Mine is Jeff related. Okay. Uh, So the way this... It's like a normal Babysitter's Club book. Each chapter starts with a handwritten entry. In the normal Babysitter's Club books, they are entries in the Babysitter Club notebook. In this one, Dawn forces everyone to keep a journal, mm-hmm. including Logan and Susie Barrett and her brother Jeff. Uh, so this is from one of Jeff's intros. Palo City, December 17th. Dad and Carol had a party. With a real tent and a band. Most of the food stunk, though. Don gave a real dumb toast. <laughs> but then he's striked through real dumb and written very nice. <laughs> and he goes on to explain that Mrs. Bruin made him change the part about Don's toast. And this is like this is going to be collated into a book that is like a wedding gift right. for Carol and Jack. <laughs> and all of the Jeff chapters are all like, just they could not be fucking bothered. The other Jeff chapter begins, sorry, I have not written in the journal yet. I have been very busy. <laughs> Yesterday, Marianne came with Christy and Claudia. They are staying here. Tomorrow, Dad and Carol get married. I can't wait. That's it. And then his like gloss on that is... Stupid, huh? Well, I had to write something. Don would kill me if I didn't. I tried to be nice. Everybody would get mad at me if I told the truth. Here's what I should have said. Journals are dumb. I could wait until Dad and Carol got married. No problem. And I hate having a house full of girls. (laughs) (laughs) He also, like, he at some point talks about the wedding, and he's like, I wish I could just wear a sign around my neck that, like, had answers to, like the most popular like faqs yeah the sign just says jeff jack's son 10 years old fifth grade of course i've grown i'm a kid (laughs) jeff is a fucking great character yeah um tanner before we get the fuck out of here Mm. i have one more thing that i want to discuss with you Mm. and it is the Clown totem. Hmm. I don't know what you mean by that, but it scares me. Yeah, and it fucking should. 
this is like, I don't know what Pete and Ann are trying to do with this book. It's a book about rituals. It's a book about change. It's a book about birth and rebirth. And we see those rituals of newness and change in a number of different ways through weddings, through the Christmas celebrations, uh, through this weird eating Dawn's face in effigy. Right. Um, All of it is to do with newness and change. Some of it more frightening and weird than others, like Susie's description of, of being in a new house. Being reborn. There is a ritual around a wedding gift in this book. Oh, right. was utterly horrifying. I'm going to read the passage and I just, I'm, I'm fascinated to hear what you think about this. I like, it was out of place with the rest of the novel. This book was like a wedding book. And then it was like, suddenly like Stephen King. Right. Marianne was staring at this tall, narrow box. It said fragile on the side. What could this be? She asked. Carol opened it. She pulled out a shiny statue. It was a clown (laughs) in a black and white polka dot costume. He looked like he was crying. (laughs) A long electrical cord stuck out the back. I think it's a lamp, Claudia said. Carol plugged it into the wall. She found two buttons on the side and pressed one. The clown lit up from the inside and his frown curved upward into a smile. Then Carol pressed the other button and the clown began to sing. Then Dad patted the clown on the head. Maybe we should keep him? (laughs) Ah! Dawn screamed. I will never ever visit again if you do. She pulled the plug out. Then she ran to Mrs. Bruin's pile of throw-out boxes and tried to stuff the clown in. Go! 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 Christy called out. Everybody joined in. Except me. This is Jeff talking. I thought the gift was kind of cool. <laughs> so Jeff is aligned with whatever force this is. Jeff's in on it. What the fuck is that, Pete? It's such a weird little like throwaway thing. It hap- it's like it's as long as you just read and it's never like revisited again. Like as far as we know, the clown is thrown out. It like finds a new house. Pete and Anne deliberately leave this open to interpretation, right? right? It's like the end of like fucking Chucky. Yeah. I maybe you'll see it again. Maybe they'll like we'll we'll zoom into another family's house and it's like, "Oh, what's this box here?" Oh, God. And someone's like, oh, that box has always been there. I don't know. I think the last tenants left it here. And they're like, let's open it. Yeah. And it's just that same clown statue. And it's frowning. It's frowning. Until you fucking give it life. You give it power. The light comes from within it. And then that frown turns upside down. I have a real hard time. It was a very scary chapter, and I don't really understand what it's supposed to mean. I'm having a really hard time visualizing how this lamp works. It seems supernatural. It doesn't work in any way that would make sense. Right. It's non-Euclidean. Yeah, it's non-Euclidean. Exactly. You plug it in. It begins to sing. Well, it's it, happy. And it smiles. And it yeah. It smiles. Slowly. Right. That is the fucking scariest thing that I've ever heard. Um, so that's bad. So I think I think what Pete and Anne are doing here is they're moving the sitter cycle forward. Like the seven or one again, right? We, right? Like the reason that we have had this novel that is focusing on change and newness and rebirth is because the seven are reborn again. Right. The babysitters are back together. Dawn is back. She's left Palo City. Oh, poor and Shannon. Back in Stony Brook. We're never going to hear from her again. Yeah. R.I.P. Shannon. Uh, but the seven are one. The seven are reborn again. Something has awakened in Palo City. Yeah. It's a clown. See, fuck you, Jack. You're like, uh, this book is a waste of time. Why are we going to read a super special? The Seven are one again, man. We would have missed that. I'm not saying that's not important. And there's something is awakened, right? And something is awakened. As soon as Dawn leaves, whatever she was doing in Palo City, she's gone. And now the four are three. And we know that four and seven are important numbers for Anne, right? Right. But Maggie, Jill, Sonny, and Dawn are now three. Right. And what happens as soon as Dawn leaves? Something has woken up. So now we've got problems on both coasts, is what I'm telling you. Yeah. 
Well, I'm and glad we have Don home safe and sound with us in Stony Brook. Yeah, I mean, it's good to have you back, Don. Um, I think it might be time to hear me out here. Replace Marianne with whom? New babysitter. Jack, it's we're eighty four books in. We're not gonna. <laughs> it's a little late in the game to be trotting out new talent i'm feeling like we need a new babysitter i don't think that's gonna happen that's ridiculous Anne's not even writing these books anymore you think she would trust one of these ghostwriters with the weight of a new babysitter she would trust pete also everything is covered we've got yeah. blonde girl other blonde girl yep asian american girl mm-hmm. uh, redhead redhead black mm-hmm. girl mm-hmm. bossy girl bossy girl christy bookish brunette oh sorry i forgot about marianne yeah bookish brunette yeah yeah, those are all the things. We've got right? all the archetypes. The seven archetypes of man yeah. are covered. Like, who could possibly... Co- what, are we going to do another blonde girl? <laughs> um, hey, Tanner, I was thinking that maybe we could get the fuck out of here. Okay. Okay. Is there anything you want to say to me or the Baby Nation before I start wrapping things up? Um, you are a beacon in the darkness, Baby Nation. I love you and I kiss you. Uh, if you would like to, and I encourage you to do so... Please go rate and review the show on iTunes. But keep in mm-hmm. mind that we are soft, sensitive boys. Oh, so sensitive. And if you say anything mean or give us lower than a four-star rating, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to lose our goddamn minds. <laughs> we're going to be so upset. Uh, so please don't, <sighs> please don't ruin our days. Mm-hmm. We try very hard at this. We try to make you something that we think you'll love and enjoy. And if you do rate and review our show on iTunes, I can't say that you will be rewarded, but the Baby Nation as a whole will be rewarded by expanding because it will help us to get notice in the rankings and help more potential members of Baby Nation to recognize that the show is something that they should listen to. Right. And if you don't rate and review the show, I can't promise that something bad will happen to you, but... Anything can happen. You might turn around and find a awakening clown light in your home. Right. Turning that frown all the way upside down. That probably won't happen to you, but it could. I'm not threatening it. No, could happen. But that's a thing that might happen. And it's possible that it will be less likely to happen if you rate and review the show. Yeah. <laughs> Baby Nation, this week, to my eternal chagrin and... Endless Annoyance. We read a book called Super Special, number 12. Here come the bridesmaids. Next time we read a Super Special, literally, who knows what the fuck that's going to be like. Oh, I'm going to, Baby Nation, I'm going to make Jack incorporate the Super Specials back into the regular lineup. So it's going to be such a wreck. I assume it's going to be Super Special number three, Babysitter's Winter Vacation. No, we're going 13 next. No, fuck you. You're just going to skip three through 11? Yes. Baby Nation, we're going to hash this out. We'll do them later. We're not skipping them. They're important. We'll come back around. There are all sorts of shit that happen. We'll come back around. A lot of Baby Nation have written in saying that they have... There's a fucking super special where they get stranded on an island and we haven't read it. We'll come back around to it, man. We'll hit it. Okay. But we're incorporating the super specials into the regular lineup now. Okay, fine. Fine. So three through 11... Maybe that will happen. Next time we read a super special, it'll probably be number 13. Yep. I don't know what it's called. I didn't do the research. Um, Number 13 is Aloha Babysitters. Next time we read a book, I'm hoping it's going to be Christy and Mr. Mom. Who knows, man? (laughs) Baby Nation, this week, I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. Daniel have been this week. Claudia's wearing a bra now. The way she talks, you would think that boys had just been invented. Is there a child in your house? It's Jenkins. <laughs> <laughs> He's really picking up. What does he want? Uh, we let him outside today. I got a harness. 
Uh-huh. I got a cat harness and like let him explore the outside world, and it's like it's changed him. <laughs> <laughs> he just always wants to be outside now. No, it's like he now he sees the world in three dimensions, whereas yeah. before it was only in two dimensions, and right. like his little cat brain doesn't know how to handle it, so he just walks around the house meowing. Wow, no, he's just making. Is that him? <laughs> he's attacking the other cat now. <laughs> <laughs> he's really coming through. <laughs> Something happened for him today. He's really he's processing a lot right now. Uh, and he's about to have a new... Little Jenkins is about to come into this world, so shit's about to get wild. Are you going to name the baby Jenkins? I have seriously thought about it. The yeah. only issue I have with it is I don't want Jenkins to get confused. Oh, sure. Which one? When the I baby or the cat? The, ca- uh, the cat. Okay. Other than that, everything is in favor of naming the baby Jenkins. Okay. It's gender neutral. We don't know if it's going to be a boy or a girl, so Jenkins right. is, a, is a surname. Right. It's a great, great name, and he or she would be named after a perfect being and have a lot to live up to. Would you let the baby go outside? Yeah, with, with a harness, yeah. Yeah, smart. I'd treat everybody equally in this house. That was a HeadGum Podcast.